welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode. I'm so glad you're joining me. Hey, I want to take a minute before we get started and invite you to head over to our socials, Facebook and Instagram, follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights all the ministries of our Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. It includes our blog called Planted, our mom-to-mom ministry focused on the good works that moms do, our Regarding Him conference that happens yearly in March, and of course, this podcast, The Unshaken Podcast. There is so much good content you are going to want to follow, so do it today. That will be in our show notes each and every week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directories. It helps us out and it helps you out because you get notification of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can reach out to us at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you have ideas or suggestions or thoughts about episodes. Or maybe you just want to tell me about an episode and how it impacted you. Uh, Finally, as you know, Unshaken is a podcast for women, and our goal is to encourage, challenge, and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Hey, let's head into today's episode. All right, well, welcome today to our episode. I'm so excited to introduce you to my new guest. But before we do, let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so as, as many of you know, we've been focusing on a series on contentment, and we've been reading the book Learning Contentment by Nancy Wilson. And we've already read a few chapters, I think chapters one and two, and three and four, and those are in our past episodes, so if you didn't get a chance to listen to those, you might want to head back and do that. Today's episode is 106, and it's actually not f- specifically focused on learning contentment. We're going to talk about the nitty-gritty of real-life contentment. Um, Honestly, I want to talk about some of these things because they're things that we encounter in our life um, every day as women, and it's good to figure out how do we actually live out contentment. So I've asked a woman to come on today who spent a lot of time moving around the country. Uh, I'm not going to give you too much more because I think our guest is going to share her story and how often... She had to transition from one place to another, and I'm so looking forward to hearing her talk about how God has been with her and helped her through each of these moves and helped her practice contentment. So I want to welcome on Melina Smith. Hi. Glad to have you. Good to be here. Uh, I'm glad you're able to come on to talk about this. It's really kind of a common thing women deal with. They have to move lots of different ways. Sometimes they move across country or even to another country, I should say. Um, Maybe it's their husband's job has changed, or maybe they're a military wife. Um, Maybe they had to move somewhere for a university, you know, degree that finished some specific um, training. Wait a minute. I actually think you did all three of these. Am I right? Yep. All of our moves have been related to my husband's work. The first few, actually more than a few, were school (laughs) and then training related. And the last few were the military moves. And the final move was getting out of the military and then finally starting a civilian job. And that's why we're here. And that maybe, maybe you'll stay here. That, that is the goal and the hope, but (laughs) But who knows? Who knows? You just have to leave things like that open. Yes, I agree. Well, I'm so glad that you're willing to share with us about this. And I guess I think that after that little intro, you are probably the right person to talk to. Before though, we actually jump into the content, Melina. 
tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, who do you live with? What do you do all day? Okay, well, I live with my husband, Asher. What we a have... fun name. His name is Asher. And before it was cool. Before it was yeah, cool, before yes. Before it was cool, true. his name was Asher. <laughs> um, and we have five kids from 10 to 19. And my mother-in-law lives with us, who has been amazing because uh -huh. she helps me take the kids to and fro to all the things that they do. And that's actually what I do. I take the kids to and fro, <laughs> yes. school activities and work and all the other things. Um, I also occasionally work as a substitute at their school. I volunteer at their school. Um, I do lots of church activities. I volunteer there. And then, of course, the you know, stay-at-home wife stuff. Home, yep. cook, clean, manage, yep. stuff like that. I can totally relate to almost everything you said. I think we're similar in lots of ways. But my husband does not have a cool name like yours. <laughs> My husband's name is Bill. Bill's going to come back in. <laughs> about as average as you can get. <laughs> okay, I love to start um, with quirky questions. And I know the exact question that I am going to ask you. Because I know you. Now, no, none of our listeners can see you, but you are a fashion queen. You're always dressed appropriately. Just not that I'm dressed inappropriately. <laughs> you are <laughs> dressed appropriately. I will attest for that. <laughs> just in, you're just a fashion girl. And you like fashion and it looks good on you. I do love clothes. So what would be your fashion item or style maybe that you would bring back? Well, um, I'm not sure I would necessarily bring back lots of stuff because you look back and you're like, oh, yes. what were we thinking? <laughs> I agree. But what I love is that there were styles that, uh, that we wore when we were younger that have come back, um, like high-waisted jeans in oh, a more yeah. fashionable way. Um, and then I love dresses, like feminine dresses. Mm. For a long time, it was very hard to find those. And you would have like a site or two that you would find them on. But now they're everywhere, which is super yep. great, yep. but not so super great because I have to be careful about how many dresses I buy because <laughs> right. I only have so much room in my closet. But um, the dresses and then the jean styles that's come back. Um, I, the mom jeans are back in, yes. and I don't know if I love those, but they look really cute on my girls, <laughs> and that's fine, too, because yeah. they're, you know, fairly modest, so that's nice. Yeah, they are. I, I wonder if you've been to Target recently. I've seen, like, some, I don't know if they're um, reels, is that what they're called, where people are, like, complaining about Target because they're saying that it's got some really funky-looking clothes. <laughs> oh, No. Okay, well, no. they've, they brought some dresses, some yeah. more feminine dresses, I think, but um, I'm not sure that the rest of it is all lovely. Yeah, you got to pick and choose. That's so for sure. So thankfully, there's lots of different places um, that you can buy stuff from, and you got to just figure out what's going to look right, right, what's not, what's just weird, yeah. Yeah. and hopefully goes away. Have you ever bought an item in multiple colors or multiple styles because you liked it? No. Okay. I I often actually end up buying the same shirt, a white shirt. The other day I picked out a shirt and I thought, I really like this. And I stood in line for a while and I thought, I have this. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and put it back. Okay, well. So I tend to gravitate towards actually the same, same exact things. Thing. Yeah. Yep, I can understand that. I will say the one thing that I would not want to bring back when clothing style was the scarves. Do you remember the scarf era? Yep. Yeah. And people wore the, I mean, I think they were called blanket scarves. And I they were, yeah. yeah, and they were literally the size of a blanket. And I can remember my daughters were probably junior high or younger, you know, like 10, 10 to 13. And they thought those were so cool. 
and they would wear them and you couldn't see their body because they had this blanket Cover scarf like in front of them. Oh, yep. just um, in my opinion, a little over the top. And it does bring for good pictures that we can look back that's at. That's true. Nice pop of color. Yes, that's yep. right. Okay, so let's jump into our topic today. Our title of this episode, which is episode 106, is called When the Moving Truck Rolls In. And this is a really challenging time for many women in regard to contentment. I know some women who have, are very excited about a move, but I know probably more women who have struggled as they have to leave an area, they have to make new friends, leave their neighborhoods where they had already built friendships, leave a job, leave their church. So I guess I want to start by saying, Melina, why would I ask you about transition? Well, probably because we have moved more times in my adult life that I can number without counting on my fingers. I actually have to count on my fingers oh, if I geez. want to figure out how many times we've wow. moved. So. That's a lot of moves. Yeah. Okay, tell me a little bit about the moves that you had from place to place. You know, like make us, um, I don't know, a verbal timeline of sorts. And then how does your husband fit in and how do your kids fit in? Because... You know, when you as a woman are moving around, you're including a whole bunch of other people along with you. So, and how did you feel about all that? Okay, so I grew up in Florida, and then I went to college in Florida, and that's where Asher and I met. So we got married in college, and then when we graduated, we moved up to Indiana, where he got into medical school. So that was our first move as a couple. Okay, um, which is it, kind of fun. It's a fun, a fun it, it was fun. It was probably more exciting than it was sad because everyone moves away yes, from college, right? right? No one's going to, most Pretty people normal. don't end up staying yeah. there. So, but it was move, scary moving to another state, but it was, sure. it was also exciting. So medical school was done in two separate cities. The first one was Fort Wayne, two years in Fort Wayne, and then we did two years in Indianapolis. And our oldest, Isabel, was born in Fort Wayne. So even though we lived in two of those places the same amount of times, it was definitely harder to move from Indianapolis. We had a church we loved. Mm. I was a new mom and I made other new mom friends, oh. which I really needed at the, yep. at the time. Yep. So we really loved living there and I kind of made a home and it was sad to leave. After Indianapolis, we moved to Toledo, Ohio, where he got into residency, which was kind of a the first move where we had no idea where we were going until we opened this envelope and it sure. told us. Oh, so wow. It Seriously? Was, yeah. That's how you find out? <gasps> yep. It's called Match. Oh it's the goodness. third Thursday of March. And everyone gets an envelope and you find out where you place. It's, it's exciting, but it's also scary. Oh, my. <laughs> I, had, I never knew that. That's yeah. so interesting. Yep. So we found out we were moving to Toledo, which was a shock to me, and I didn't know where Toledo was, <laughs> but we moved here. So then we lived here for five years, and number two, three, and four were all born here. Um, and then we had to move again. Uh -huh. um, and I think because we had been there five years, it was a really sad move, and at this point, the kids were involved, yep, um, yep. and they felt it too, so it was sad. Um, but we knew the whole time that we would be moving. So there was kind of a preparation, but it was still sad um, because we had really made a beautiful life here. We had, you know, made really good friends. Um, yeah. We loved our church. Our church loved us. Yep. So it was hard to move. Yeah. So the next move was Durham, North Carolina. And that was just for one year for Asher to do a fellowship, which is an extra year of training. Okay. And then the next move, um, we was just three hours west. 
on the coast of North Carolina to a military base called Camp Lejeune. So um, that sounds fancy. It was not fancy, but it was nice. <laughs> okay, it's a good. huge base. It's on the water, which is a great oh, thing about the Navy. Everything's cool. on the water. Um, but it was just basically, you know, a military town. Sure. Um, so our youngest was born there, and Asher deployed in our first year. Oh, my. So we lived there for three years, um, and then we moved to Jacksonville, Florida. So <laughs> wow. the funny thing was Camp Lejeune was in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Oh. And then we moved to Jacksonville, Florida. Wow. So, um, and then we lived there for six years. So in Jacksonville, Asher finished his military commitment. And then um, the Lord provided us a job back in Toledo, Ohio, um, which I was actually very excited about. Um, but living somewhere for six years, you, you build deep roots, sure. especially as your children get older. Um, and so it was sad. There were lots of tears um, when we told the kids that we were moving oh, to bet. Toledo. Um, but we've been here for a few years, and hopefully this is the place that the Lord um, has us for a long time. Yeah, I hope so, too. I hope you stick around. No more moves. No right? more moves, hopefully. Okay. Wow, you have moved a ton of places, and I hope Toledo is your last move. That's just what I want to end with. We'll just stop there if we get to pick, right? Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, now, in the book we're reading this summer, Learning Contentment by Nancy Wilson, she gives a definition in the introduction that I think is a really good thing to remember right now. She tells us um, that contentment is the ability to stay satisfied with God's will in all circumstances. Yes, that rang true when I, when I read that. Yeah, whether yeah. easy or difficult. Um, she continues, though it is simple to understand, it is not certainly easy to do. And that's why we need lessons to learn this skill. I wonder if you were supposed to learn some lessons through all of this. <laughs> Every time, yep. a new lesson. Yeah. So if you had lessons to learn, because we all have lessons to learn, and I may not be moving you know, far across country, my husband may not be deployed, but I have had moves in my life. Um, maybe it's changing jobs or changing schools or... Um, even getting a new neighbor, even though I'm not moving, can make for transitions. So what has God taught you through all of your transitions? So kind of the biggest lesson that thankfully he taught me early on, and that was really with our move to Toledo, was that I can be happy anywhere. Mm. I need a good church, which God is, and friends, and God provides those things and has provided those things each time. Um, and which is the next lesson is God will provide. I think mm -hmm. we can spend a lot of time being sad and miserable, believing that we're not going to get these things as we move, not trusting that God will provide. Um, also we have to be active in our new home. So we have to find and look for that Bible believing church. Mm, um, that's good. That we're not, it's just not going to show up at our door. <laughs> we have to be on the move and right. on the, on the lookout for those things. So that's, um, that was one of the big lessons we learned. As soon as we found out we were moving, we would start looking for our new church home. Um, and one of the lessons that I think as a military wife you learn is you just jump in. Hmm. It does take a little bit to start to feel at home, but you just have to start living like you're going to live there forever, yeah. right? No matter how long you live there. You have to kind of treat it like you're there permanently, which makes it feel more like home. Yeah. It makes it harder to leave, but it makes the time that you're there um, happier. 
Um, so jump in, serve, volunteer. Um, in the beginning, you know, you don't know anyone, so you're just going to serve in small ways and then mm. find bigger ways to serve. Always, if you can, find a Bible study in a small group, which is a great way to get to know new people. Yeah. Those are really good pieces of advice. <clears throat> my um, my nephew actually is getting married, and he is marrying a missionary kid, and she has been overseas in another country for quite a, all her life. <clears throat> and when she came to the States to go to college, um, she said that they've moved around so many times that she has just learned to just go and invite people to go out for coffee or to go and do things with them yeah. because that is the way she gets to know them. Right, to and, be proactive that And way. I think that's really what you're saying too. I yes. love that. Yeah. And that can be the same if you're just moving to a new job, you know, being proactive with the people that you're, you're working with or if you are moving to a new neighborhood, being proactive and inviting people to your house. Yes, don't wait for people to do it. Just jump in and do it. Okay, so I one question I always ask on the podcast is, what does the Bible say about this? So I guess that's going to be my next question. What does the Bible say about moving? I mean, are there actually practical principles that we can take away from the Bible about moving? This is a great question. I don't think there are direct verses on how to handle moving to a new place. Like but, how to pack up. Right, how to pack up, <laughs> how to, you know, label your, label your stuff, yeah. though that's a good thing to do. Um, but there are so many examples of God asking his people to move. Hmm. Our small groups have been studying Genesis, and a huge part of Abraham's story is God asking him from to move from where his family is yeah. and to another place because God has promised him this new land for him and his offspring. So even when Abraham is settled in the land, he's still considered an alien among the people because it ha he hasn't made it his yet. Um, but this was a great comfort to me in, this, in Abraham's story because God brings him there and God plants him and roots him there because mm -hmm. that's where God has him, has his home. Um, Hebrews 11, 8 through 10 says that by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place where he received that he, which he was to receive for an inheritance. Mm. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Mm, that's a great so, verse. Abraham had a sense of what we know is true, that the New Testament often reminds us that we are aliens in mm. this world, and that our true home is heaven, our eternal home. So Ephesians 2.19 tells us that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints of God's household. Mm -mm. And this has been a great comfort to me because when you move, you really do feel like an alien, yeah, like you don't sure. belong. Um, but that is a helpful reminder that this world is actually not home, that mm -hmm. our home is in heaven, which is will be our eternal home yes. um, with God. So that helps me know that when we move, it's a good reminder that um, that this is not permanent and yeah. that eventually we will be in our permanent home with God in heaven. Yeah, it's also um, interesting whenever I go to a new environment, I can almost always see the person who is a Christian. I don't know if you've had that experience, but you almost can always, when you're in a new environment, um, like in a new job or a new situation, you can I, I kind of click in with those people who are citizens of heaven also. Yes, there's a commonality yeah. that you all share. And I think that's a great thing. We're all, we're all waiting for heaven. We're all looking towards that. What a great piece of advice to remember that although we're moving around on earth right now, 
we all have a heavenly home waiting yep. for us. I That's love permanent. that. That's awesome. Okay, so you know this is this is just a part of life for many women. You know we've got to transition. Uh, again, it could be lots of different ways. So, Melina, since you have done this so many times, what is some practical advice for somebody who knows that they have to move away from the comfort of their family, their friends, their church? Like, give me some good practical suggestions. Okay, like I said earlier, and I probably will like continue to beat this drum because it really was. I think the most important part of um, making a new home where we move to. So start exploring churches. Likely mm. you know you're going to move, right? right? You've got a little bit of time and you can start exploring churches on um, on the internet, right? So churches have websites and it tells you, you know, about their theology and other like key aspects to the church. Um, one In one move, we were in a specific denomination and so I started looking for churches in that denomination. But within the city, there were a lot. Oh. So we had to narrow things down. And one of the things that was important to us is that we wanted a church with just one service. So in our experience, when a church has one service, it just feels like it's a tighter knit sure. church. And then people are always you know, together and you get to know people better. And it just, it just was something that we've... Um, that was important to us. So that might not be a deal breaker for everyone, sure. but it's good to know what do I, what is important for me in a church. And so you can start looking that way. And maybe even make a list. Yes. No, I'm yeah. assuming you would, you would want a church that had some sort of a um, youth or young adults in your church because you have kids. Yes. So, so that's another thing to look for. Right. We went to a church once that we visited that was great, but it was so tiny um, mm. that I thought, I don't think that really this is going to be a good place for our kids. And so, yeah, we want moved on. Um, so, and don't give up. So that's mm. like the next thing. It can be hard to um, get up on a Sunday morning, not be excited about going to church because you don't know anybody, yeah. um, and then drag the kiddos there, which was always hard to go church hopping with um, a bunch of little kids. Yes. But keep looking. And you have to remember that no church is perfect. Um, you definitely want a, ch a church that believes that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Yeah, like that's, um, that's a, that's definitely a deal breaker. Um, and, but you have to know that no church is going to be like your old church, you know, the good and the bad. Yeah. Um, but in the ways that maybe you think, well, this church doesn't have what our last church has. You can be the one that brings that to the church. You can be mm. the one that says, okay, well, there isn't a lot of hospitality here, so let's start inviting people over. Or, you know, there, there aren't um, Bible studies here, sure. so let's get one started. Right. So don't be afraid to jump in and serve at the church to make it what you know is good in church. Yeah, I love that piece of information because when you, God calls people to change churches, and it's, the church isn't just to feed us. We are involved and need to be involved in the right. church, too. And so that's kind of what you're saying is get involved, too. Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch. But that's also a way to get to know people. That's good. Yeah. So another thing is give yourself time. Mm. Um, moving enough, you realize that it takes actually about two years, which wow. feels like a really long time. But it is. Just getting to know your location and where you are, it just takes two years. Um, so don't be discouraged. If you feel like people aren't reaching out, 
reach out to people, oh. invite people yeah. over, and don't worry about the boxes. People will understand that your home isn't perfectly put together. You've just moved. Yep. When we moved to Jacksonville, Florida, our second Sunday, we met a family that we just connected with and invited them over for lunch. And when they walked in, there were boxes everywhere. We got <laughs> sandwiches, you know, from, I think, I don't know, we had sandwich cold cuts from Sam's Club. And we had, you know, lunch together, and the wife and I really became great friends Aww. because I wasn't afraid of inviting them over in our mess. Um, That's and great. Yeah, so it was, they had kids and we had kids and just connected, and that was great. Um, and moving with kids is hard. So depending on the ages, it will be harder for your other kids. When your kids are little, um, they are sad, obviously, when you move because yeah. they're losing friends. But they adjust pretty quickly because, you know, mom is home. And if mom has a good attitude, then they're going to have a good attitude. They're mm. going to be excited about it. So, um, but as they get older, uh, it does get harder because they are leaving more behind. There will be lots of tears. So comfort them, encourage them by pointing them to God, his plan, and his goodness. Mm. And this will be a really great opportunity for them to grow in faith and dependence on God. Each um, you know, stage in our kids' lives, there are different ways that they can learn about who God is and who they are in their lives. And this is just a great time to say, this is really hard, but God has a plan, and he wants you to grow in faith in this hardness. Mm. So um, I think also praying for that specifically for your children is really important. Pray that God would not just um, provide friends, but other Christians who would encourage them um, in growing in God and um, pointing them to him in their hard times. Because just being a teen is hard, but being yes. a teen who moves yes. is that much yes, harder. right. So um, I, I, I love what you said about how moms set the tone. You said something about how moms, if you have a good attitude about the move or you are working through it with your kids, they'll watch you. And I think that's really a important thing for a mom with kids is your, your kids are always, I mean, my kids are always watching me and yep. they're all, they, they know when I make the big heavy sigh and they think, are you mad? I'm yes. Like, uh, I guess I am because I wasn't trying to be. And so I think that's a really good piece of advice. I'm not saying that we have to be perfect or that you can't be sad about a move. I'm not saying that. But I am yeah. saying it sounds like what you're saying is, you know, be an example to them of trusting God in this and right. pointing them back to God through, the, through that challenge. Yes, because if you're walking around feeling miserable that you've left everything behind and you're just dwelling on how sad things are, they are going to be yeah. sad as well because they're going to be dwelling on the same thing. Right, right. But if you recognize this is hard and this is sad, but there are exciting things about moving and let's focus on those things and see what God provides for us here. Yeah, that's good. Um, and obviously prayer, always prayer. As a yes. family praying together, praying um, yourself that God would go before you and would make your path straight, right? Mm. As Proverbs tells us that um, God is a God of big and small needs. He doesn't, nothing is too small um, for God to to hear in our prayers. So mm. we can we can go to him and ask him to just provide what we need, even if it's really, you know, small and specific to us. God is a God that loves us and wants mm -hmm. to take care of us and um, wants us to come for, um, come to him for those things. And 
as you know, as you see God working in your new home, this is such a great testimony to your children to sure. see who God is in the way that he provides for you. That is such good advice. Good things there that you said. And I love that you kept pointing back to the fact that God is sovereign over even moves. Like you maybe didn't say the word sovereign, but sovereign meaning that he's in charge. Right. And he's leading us and he's directing us. And where he leads us and directs us is good. It's for our good in it the is, long yep. run. Yeah. Okay, let's, you've, you've had so many moves, which is um, crazy when you tell your story, um, but you also have another layer. Like if this is an onion that we have to peel, right? right. You have another layer on your onion Lots of life of here. Um, and I want to talk military because um, your husband was in the military. I really don't know military at all. Um, but what branch was he in? How, how did this look for you? And like, how did this look for you with your family, with your kids, with your marriage? And... Was he ever gone for a long period of time? Because sometimes people are. Yes. that um, That's just kind of normal for military families. Yes. For, you get at least one or two deployments in your time. Um, Asher joined the Navy. So he was in the Navy RTC. That's how he paid for college. Um, and so when I met him, he was in the RTC. And I knew that being in the Navy was going to be part of our lives. But I didn't know what that meant or what that even looked like. We didn't sure. know any um, active... Uh, active duty military families growing up. So um, we met in college and then, but it was not until about 10 years after college that Asher went active duty because mil uh, medical training just takes a long time. Sure, sure. So by the time that we went active duty, um, we had four kids ranging from one and a half to nine. Oh boy. Um, and like I said, our first duty station was Camp Lejeune, um, which is on the coast of North Carolina. Um, but God was so good. You look back and you're like, I just see the way that God was so gracious to us in these moves because mm. we moved from Toledo to Durham where Asher was doing his uh, fellowship for the year. And really we could have moved a number of places because there were a number of places that were available for Asher to do that fellowship, but we moved to Durham. Okay. And then we found out that we would be moving down the road three hours to Lejeune. So um, when we found out we were moving to Lejeune, we were able to visit a few times. We nice. got to um, kind of scope out the area, see where we might not want to live, connect with people, um, visit a church. Nice. And yeah, that was really great. We visited the church that we ended up going to, and the people were just really welcoming. Um, hmm. they, were, they were Christians, but they were military, and so they just knew how to welcome um, people oh. coming in because this was just part <clears throat> of life. So yeah, this is what they, they had been in that boat probably at some point. A too. number of times and they were going to be yeah. in that boat again. Yes. And so the military has just a really welcoming community. Mm -hmm. um, these are families that have been there, done that. And so when we moved there, it was just the welcome that was rolled out and people were super friendly and um, made it feel like home. So um, when we moved there, I we had been living in an apartment in Durham, and I was just itching to have space. Okay. So the Lord was so good. He provided us a house nice. um, that we really enjoyed. It was on the water. Oh. It, yeah, it was kind of a, an amazing thing. The Lord was just so um, gracious. This beautiful house on the water. The kids loved it. They the other day we were reminiscing about it and talking about how just it was this perfect place for them to run around and just be um to be kids so That's we had awesome. a great time the transition was hard as fresher like going from you know he'd been medical school residency fellowship the whole time he's training so now he's going from being a training doctor to being independent and 
Um, and that was a challenge. And on top of that, you act, he's in the military for the first time. So that was a hard transition for him. But because this move was from Durham, where we'd been for a year, um, into a new exciting place, the kids and I were excited and we adjusted pretty easily. And we were happy. We found a church, we made friends, and we lived right by the beach, oh, which was you like... You could not go wrong right no, there. No, it was great. Um, and then after we found, after we moved to Lejeune, we found out pretty quickly that we were expecting our nice. fifth. So that was just, other than feeling really sick, it was exciting. Oh, so that's just um, a fun thing to think about, that God provided you a home on the beach in a place with welcoming people. Yeah. God was, does work for our good. He does. He does. And that was especially moving from Toledo was hard to Durham. And then from Durham, um, moving to Lejeune. It was just a really a gift that God gave mm-hmm. us in, in just saying, hey, this is new, your new home and just made it feel like home right away. That's awesome. So fast forward a few months, um, uh, we're, at, we're in our home and in Lejeune and Asher tells me that he has been picked to deploy. Oh, no. Yes. All uh, of, the, all of the, <laughs> the peace and calm right there has changed. Yes, it changed dramatically. Um, he had known for a few months, actually, that he um, had been picked to deploy, but he was trying to work with his department to um, to pick somebody oh. else, but they didn't. They didn't want to pick anyone else, and they wanted him specifically, and um, so the set for him to deploy was right after um, Millie was born. So it was, I think that was Thanksgiving, and then the deployment was set to be at the end of May, and Millie was due sometime in April. Wow. So you were pregnant. So b- right before he deployed, you had a baby. Yes. Wow. Talk yeah. about emotions going on there, girl. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on. So when he first told me, I thought, okay, I can't do this alone. Wow. And I was going to move um, to back to Indiana with my in-laws so I could help with, with, help, help with the kids. Um, and, you know, I, we went to bed, and the next morning I ran an errand, and I saw a friend who was a mom of seven and a seasoned military wife. And she was the first one that I told about this deployment, and then I told her about my plan to move and what I was going to do. And I remember in her kindness, and she was such a sweet, kind woman, um, telling me she understood how I felt. She had been through a number of these herself with um, her kids at various ages. But she said something that really stuck with me. She said, um, you know, moving is good um, to have help, but if I stayed here in the military community, I would be surrounded by other women in similar situations with husbands in and out, and they would know what I was going through Mm. and how to help. And sometimes being out of the military community might actually even be harder because people tend to react a certain way when you say, you know, they make your, it feel like your position is really kind of an impossible one. Your husband is across the world and you're alone with five kids and a newborn. How are you doing this? Instead of a, you know, a military woman who's been through it would say, wow, that's really hard. You're going to get through this. God mm-hmm. will provide. So that really kind of stuck with me. Hmm. Fast forward another few months and I thought, and we had done a number of, the Lord had just showed me a number of things and I thought, I I'm going to stay. I'm going okay. to stay in our new home. Um, I We were renting this house, and I didn't want to leave it and, and then have to move back when Asher got back and move in somewhere else. Um, but I decided at that time I needed a full-time helper. 
um, I was going to find a teenage girl or a college student that would live oh, with me and well, help with the kids, that's right? That's a good idea. And I'd known a number of other um, moms who had done this. So, you know, put out the word. Friends were helping me in this search. But after months of looking, we didn't find anyone who was able to do this. Okay. Wow. Though God did provide a wonderful um, teenage girl that was from Toledo and she came was able to stay with me for the first few weeks after Asher left and that was super super helpful um but then after that she went home and I was not sure how I was going to do this on my own so let's give a timeline because it's yes. always good to figure I out I love okay. timelines yes okay so we moved to Lejeune in August of 2011 okay Millie our youngest was born April 4th 2012 Okay. Asher got on a plane to Afghanistan May 25th. So I remember that date because it's his birthday. Oh, he got on a plane <laughs> he on his got birthday? On a, yes, that was the thing. He got on a plane. Oh. We said goodbye on his birthday. And he was going to be due back either late January or February of the following year. Wow. So that was kind of the timeline of his That's deployment. That's like 18 months of craziness. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Of, of total, total yeah. craziness where you're just going, okay, somehow, I don't know how this is going to work, yeah. but it is, I guess. Um, I don't remember the day-to-day -day once he left. It was hard. I know I did a fair amount of crying to friends, okay. and I really did feel despair sometimes. Mm. Um, and I was initially really bitter that I was not able to find someone to live with me and to help me with my kids because I was convinced this is how I was going to make this like work. Like that would solve it. This would solve it. This would make it better. So I was kind of angry with God that this was not something he provided. Um, but uh, afterwards, I was able to reflect on how God really had mm. provided in all the ways that I needed. Um, so there was one family in our church who committed to babysitting twice a week for me. So the family had eight kids. Dad was also in the Navy. He was a chaplain. Hmm. And they had been through many deployments. Um, and they had a number of teenage girls, and two of which which said, okay, we will come once a week, each of us, to babysit. So one would come on Tuesday for four to five hours, and one would come on Thursday. Wow. Um, yes. That is going to be so helpful. It was super helpful just to, like, run errands or just get away, um, and someone would be with the kids. So... This was a huge sacrifice for them, which I, you know, at the time, I'm not really, I didn't really think about it, but they, Lejeune was not a big area, but it was not an easy area to get around. So they lived about 45 minutes away. Wow. The oldest one was old enough to drive. So on the day she was there, she would drive there. But on the other day that her younger sister came, she would drive her younger sister and then sit in the car and do her schoolwork. Whoa. So even though she wasn't, Babysitting, she was still at her house getting things done that she needed to do. So looking back, I just, I still marvel at the commitment that they made to me. It was such a huge help, um, and it was just a sweet gift. Now, do you, do you have connection with these girls still? I don't. Okay. I, yeah, like with military, you just kind of lose yeah. a little bit sometimes, yeah. especially if people are not on social media. Yep. It's hard to keep track. Um, but we... It was, you know, it's this thing where you um, you look back and you're like, oh, that was just so perfect yeah. for the time in yes. life that we were in. Um, and they were just a wonderful family that, that served us that way. Um, I also really wanted to send the older girls to school. I've, for much of that time, I'd been homeschooling. And I, okay. 
every move, I tried to figure out how I could not homeschool. Okay. And so okay. I, was, I was always trying to figure out, okay, can I send them to school at this point? And so I thought, okay, this is a perfect opportunity. Asher is going to be gone. I don't know if I want to keep homeschooling. Sure. I want to send the two older ones to school. It's a big commitment to, to homeschool. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that would give me a little bit of a break yeah. with the kids being in school. And so we found one. But it was 30 minutes away. It was a Christian school, and it was 30 minutes from where we lived. Okay. And we committed to it in the beginning of the summer. And then as I went through the summer, I thought more and more about how is this going to work? Because I realized that the bus would come and pick them up um, at a church nearby at 6.50. Okay. And in my brain, 6.50 was so early because I'd be getting two girls ready for school and that I had three that I'd pack into the car. Right. It's not like you can leave them home. Can't leave those kids at home. And then we would all go and drop them off. And that just kind of ate at me in okay. a way where I think, why couldn't I have handled it at the time? But I didn't. I couldn't handle okay. it. Okay. Well, that's okay. So at that point, I decided I was going to keep homeschooling. I had a homeschooling community. I had moms encouraging me that way. And so I kept homeschooling. Okay. And that was really helpful because in about... Um, in November, right before Thanksgiving hit, I realized I I just had a picture of trying to pull down, oh, sorry, Christmas tree and decorations. And I thought, I don't know if I can do this all by myself. Oh. And I thought, I, I'm going to go um, to my in-laws for the holidays. Sure. And kind of be supported under them during that time. But I would not have been able to do that had the girls been in school, right? You can't wow. pull them out. So the homeschooling really did give us the flexibility that when I realized, okay, this is not something I think I can handle. I can't do Christmas on my own. Um, I was going to go do it with my in-laws, and they welcomed us. And so that was really, you know, looking back, the flexibility of homeschooling versus having them in school was really great for us. Um, and then we were we moved to my in-laws. The we had someone house it actually there was a marine who was able to um who was in transition who lived at our house while we were gone okay and we moved up to my in-laws and did thanksgiving and christmas and it was fun because you know sure. they just wanted to love us and it was um just really fun to do christmas with them and then asher got home a little bit after christmas so they were trying to get home for christmas but they didn't make it and then it was like right after christmas they got home and we drove to, from Indiana to Norfolk, um, Virginia, where he came in, surprised Aww. the kids. The kids were totally surprised. We sat at the airport. Oh, they didn't know what they were doing? No. We, oh! sat, we sat at the airport for like three hours, and they're like, why are we here? Oh, my. So, and then Dad came out, and that was really fun. Oh. So then we went home I after Christmas. I hope you Christmas. took a video. No, Somebody because did. that was not the time of smartphones. Oh, I mean, it was, man. but like, I think we had just gotten... Our yep, first yep. iPad. I understand that, yeah. So anyway, we have a picture. <laughs> yeah, pictures are good Pictures too. of us. And the memory is what's really most important. Yeah, yeah, and just and getting it from their perspective is funny because I thought they had figured it out, but they really hadn't. So uh, it was fun. Um, okay, one thing I want to say that I love what you said is the, the fact that these, um, well, number one, how hard it was to go through Christmas and holidays. And I think from my perspective, I, I mean, I've never had a time when my husband was gone from a holiday you know, or, yeah. Like, and what a good thing to remember as we are sitting on the sidelines, women who are not in the military, our husbands are not in the military, or we're not, to remember those women and anybody, not just people who are in the military, but 
moms who are all alone on Christmas and holidays, it's good to invite them. Yes, because those those hit differently, right? Yeah. There's day to day, and but there are those special times where you're supposed to be, yeah, happy and making memories and realizing, oh, I have to do this by myself. Yeah. And yeah, military moms. It's funny. We knew a woman who, um, whose husband was gone every holiday oh. except for. Easter so oh. Easter was like that hall and you know that was her holiday that was her holiday <laughs> that he was going to be home for um but yeah wow. it's it's something to to think about when you know at every holiday I think the question to ask is who's by themselves and yep. who can we welcome into our family yep. and provide just a warm welcoming place for in a time that people should be happy and should be celebrating yeah yeah and pray pray for those women too. That's another good thing. Yes. Yes. So. Um, so after that, um, we lived in Lejeune for a little, like around two years. Um, and then we moved to Jacksonville, Florida. And um, Asher had a total of eight years and we finished up those eight. In the military. Yeah, five okay. of those eight years in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Um, and then he did deploy one more time um from there for just a couple of months. It wasn't like, it wasn't the super long months. Okay. And that was still challenging. Because at, you know, I, at that time, we had really folded him into our lives, yeah. which I know sounds funny, but like with medical training and with oh, deployment, yes. you're like, you learn to kind of do without dad and you are managing. But we had been in um, Jacksonville long enough and he had a kind of a normal job um, to where he was helping with carpool right oh, the yeah. kids get older it's always about like how do you get those kids where they need yes. to go so that was um that was a challenge okay how are we going to do this no one's driving yet i have to do all the driving and right. the lord provided um carpool buddies other moms who could help me drive and that was a that was really a big help yes um but you know with deployments I don't have a how-to manual. I, there, there are women who would like you really could ask and who could tell you, you know, really great ways to get through it and and to thrive in it. Um, but I know that that just looking at my own um, experience with that, God provides mm-hmm. in ways that we don't necessarily expect, and we, you know, as women, we want to decide, okay, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to make this work if I have, you know, A, B, and C lined up. And God doesn't always provide those things, but we need to be open in the ways that God does provide and to realize that we can trust him because what he provides is best. Yes. We don't know everything and everything that we need, but he does. Wow, what a story. What a story all the way through everything. I mean, and I think there's probably we're not done. I have a feeling you have more stories to share. Okay, but I was thinking about if I were in your shoes and I was alone and my husband was deployed somewhere, I probably would struggle with some, oh, I don't know, anxiety, fear. Um, Did did you ever fear like anything? And how did you deal with it? Um, So I didn't have fears that something would happen to him necessarily in deployment. Like that the Lord kind of protected me from those thoughts. So he was a doctor. Um, and he would not be like riding around on, you know, a Humvee sure. looking for bad guys. He was right. going to stay um, in this on, it was um, it was in Kandahar, and it was a 10 square mile base that he lived okay. on. It was like a big camp. Um, 
but I, one fear I did have, um, just in the, you know, watching the news and our time in the military is that military medical personnel die in helicopter crashes. Okay. So I thought, oh, I really don't want him to ever be on a helicopter. But I knew I couldn't say, please don't ride in a helicopter because that's not my place. If the Lord was going to put him on a helicopter, then I needed to trust the Lord with mm. that. Um, and I knew that I learned very early um, in my Christian walk that worrying does nothing, right? right. And Jesus tells us not to worry, which right. is such, um, such a grace that he commands us, do not worry. And so yep. I really didn't try to worry about his safety. Um, we were, because of FaceTime, we were able to talk to him almost every day, which was oh, really great. That's amazing. Yeah, it really was. It was it was a gift. We were um, in talking with, you know, more seasoned military wives. They'd say, yeah, on occasion we'd get a letter, but the letter really couldn't say very much because oh, sure. of where they were. And we couldn't relay too much information to them because we had to make sure that they didn't have anything that would make them worry. Right. So just being able to talk every day was really, um, was really helpful and just kind of kept my mind at ease. Um, but one funny thing he did tell me, because I thought, oh, you're perfectly safe on this base. There's nothing that's going to happen to you. Um, he said Yeah, he's that, in his little 10-mile square. Yeah, yeah no one's going to... This gonna, is protected. Right, and it was not a place that had a lot of combat at the time. Okay. So um, one thing he did tell me was that we were talking on the phone, and I don't remember this, but he said an alarm went off, and you asked me what the alarm was, and he said I made something up. Because <laughs> uh -oh. that alarm meant that something had broken into the airspace, and that it could be something dangerous. And if oh. you were... Oh, no. Yeah. So if you were outside, you just had to lay on the ground oh, <laughs> and pray. And, um, and that actually happened a lot because it would go off a lot of the time when um, an airplane would be coming into the airspace. So it, it went off regardless. So you know, he had to live with that fear all the time, but he didn't burden me with that and let me know until after he got home. Um, that that was a concern that things would be kind of jumping into over the wall and yeah. um, and uh, putting them in danger that way. But you know, it was it was kind of funny to hear the story afterwards because nothing had happened and it was something he really kind of protected me from by saying, "Oh, that's not a big deal. I don't. Yeah, it's this alarm that tells us something, but right. <laughs> it wasn't going to burden me with that." So that was um, actually kind. Yes, it was very kind of him to protect me that way. And we lived in a very safe area. You know, you're surrounded by the United States Marines, so you're That's where I want to like, be. This right. is the place I want to be without a husband. Um, I did have a bad habit of leaving the garage door open. Oh, this so, is when you're at, at Camp Lejeune. In Camp Lejeune, yes, right? Yes, I yes. just forgot about the garage, and the kids yeah. would be in and out. And then, but I learned to start closing that garage okay. and locking my door. Um, I told the kids we had a rule that we didn't break any bones. While Dad oh. was gone, that was just like. No breaking bones. The emergency department was not a place I wanted to go. And what type of doctor is your husband? A bone doctor. Yes, that's what I thought. <laughs> a bone doctor. Um, so, but I knew obviously you can't command your kids not to no. break bones. Um, and you just have to trust that God is going to keep them safe. Um, and, and I did have a really great support system within that military um, system. Everyone knew that Asher was gone. And so people were helpful. Um, his buddies from the hospital on base would check on us and mm. say, if you need anything, you know, let me know. So um, it was really great to be in a community that understood what it was like to be um, by yourself with yeah. kids. So, yeah. That's good. That's, um, it's interesting how God in his goodness to you um, just provided you with so many things. I just keep hearing you talk about the ways that God just continually blessed you and guided you 
gave you tangible things, you know, specific things that you could hold in touch, but also gave you some peace yeah. during some of those long days. And this yeah. is so interesting to me to hear. I know that we you're you're out of it. Yes. You're beyond it. Which you're actually like, helps you to re- look yes. back and go, oh, that's another way that God really provided. Yeah. But it reminds me that when we're in the middle of difficulty, we should kind of be making a list. Right. Of what God's doing. Yeah. Because that helps us to focus and not be so focused on the circumstance, but to be focused on the God who's in charge of the circumstance. Right. And helps us to see maybe the things that we can't see in the time where we're feeling terrible, but to focus on being grateful for what God is providing. Okay. So I mentioned earlier um, that, that it was good to remember as a woman who is not in the military or who has not moved around very much. I mean, I have lived in four different homes, but that includes my, my, and they're all within about 30 miles of each other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that includes, you know, my childhood home. So <clears throat> I really haven't moved, but what would be some really practical things a woman can do if her husband is deployed, um, going on or going on a long business trip or even working late? How can a woman in this situation actually practice the contentment that we're talking about? Okay. This is just stay with me. It's going to sound a little strange. Okay. So the beauty of the military is that you don't have any control. Okay. Um, okay. You can tell them where you want to move, but they'll move you wherever they need you to move. <laughs> you can tell them, please don't deploy my husband. I have a baby on the way and they don't really care. Um, they'll deploy your husband if they need him because it's a giant bureaucracy. Sure. Left hand doesn't know what right hand is doing. Right. Um, and you just don't have any control. And the ladies listening might say, um, that's not really a good thing. Um, but, um, we do know that even though we have no control and the military exposes that, um, that God does have control. Mm -hmm. Like you talked about earlier, God is sovereign. And what I love to pair with God being sovereign is God is good, right? He's sovereign because if God was sovereign and not good, oh man, it would be terrible. But God is sovereign and he is good. And he loves us. So if we are honest with ourselves, we know that we really don't have very much control. And when we kind of can settle into that, realize that God is the one in control and that he is good, there is a peace that goes Mm -hmm. along with that. And there is a contentment that we can sit knowing that I might not be able to maneuver and manipulate and control everything, but God, who is good, can. And in that we can be content just resting in his goodness mm. and in his sovereignty. Um, a practical way um, to deal with long absences is to stay busy, which, you know, as any mom with kids knows, yes. it's not hard. No. It's not hard to stay busy. Um, and, you know, don't wallow in self-pity. I think sometimes that's easy to do um, when you are in a hard situation is to just wallow and think about how hard it's going to be but instead god has given us such good work with our children in our home that we can stay busy and be active um, Mm -hmm. and it really does help pass the time Um, when you are feeling um, the temptation of self-pity which i think is often the opposite of contentment um, Mm. sometimes what we need to do is get out of our own situation and help others. Yep. So I remember there was a Sunday at church, Asher was deployed, and I just felt this like overwhelming nudge to invite some specific women over for lunch. And that was not something I did all the time. You know, I had five kids after church, like let's go home and nap. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But I just felt like, okay, 
there's this woman God is putting in my heart. Let's invite her over. So I did. I invited her over. She had a husband that had just deployed himself. And, you know, we had a really simple meal. I think it was like chicken pot pie. And, you know, the kids just played and ran around. And we just sat and chatted for mm. a, a while. And then she, you know, went home. And she just was so good to thank me and to point out to me that this is exactly what she needed on this day. Wow. Like, she just was feeling... Um, overwhelmed at with her husband missing and she mm -hmm. had one or two mm -hmm. little ones and what she really needed was just someone to chat with and um just have you know a sweet time with without focusing on the fact that going home and him not being there and focusing right. on that so the lord was so good to show me that when i um in in my own hardness you know with asher being gone reaching out and blessing someone else was such a sweet gift to me um and it helped me not to feel self-pity, and I yep. helped someone else in that, yep. at that same point. So I think when we are tempted to, to wallow and to be sad, we need to be looking out for those who we can serve. And I think God uses that to lift us up as we lift others up. That's good. Okay, so you've kind of alluded to a few of these things, but I, I kind of want to focus specifically on this. What are some common sins that a woman moving around the country or having someone deployed might face or be tempted with and and how could she fight these so i think as i mentioned self-pity is probably one of the biggest sins yeah. that you're going to be fighting um because you in reality and then sometimes not real you feel like you are missing out um on on all the fun that you have left behind, right? So you move, you've left all these friends, they have their lives intact and they are, you know, continuing to do the fun things, especially when I think when the kids were little, you know, you'd have yeah. someone to do fun things with and they're doing fun things and you feel like you're being left behind um, and mm. being left out. And the thing I, I realized with some reflection, what exasperated this for me was social media. So, mm. you know, I would see posts and pictures of people doing fun things together and I really felt like I was forgotten. And that was really hard for me. It just it really depressed me. Um, and when we are when we are focusing on what we're missing out on instead of investing on what where we are, um, I think that helps us that, that actually, you know, gets us to the place of sin where we are feeling very discontent mm -hmm. and self-pity. And we're, you know, saying, God, this is not the life I'm supposed to have. I was supposed to have that life I've left behind, but you've put me here instead. Hmm. Um, so, so you're wrong, God. You're right. wrong, right? This is not where I'm supposed to be, God. It's and and we are discontent. I think going back to what we were, um, what you were talking about, discontent being that dissatisfied, hmm. um, or being satisfied in God, and that's the opposite of what right. you're doing at that point. So for me, I know everyone's not the same. Like friends and fellowship is a really deep need. I. I am so like that. Yes, too. an extrovert to the extreme. I really <laughs> need to be with people. That's where I'm happiest. And so moving is a challenge for that, right? Oh, my. Um, yeah, an extrovert and moving. Yes. Wow. And, you know, all of a sudden being friendless when you really you wanted to be with your friends. So um, making new friends is a lot of work. I think I realized that when when the kids are little, it's a little bit easier because you connect with other young sure, moms sure. and you're like hey let's have a play date come on over you know our kids will play we'll chat um but then as the kids got older that was not as easy to do 
Um, so not having close friends for me really drove me to the point of that self-pity and wallowing in sadness um, and not really trusting God that he was going to provide um, the friendships that I needed. But God, you know, in moving so many times, God has a great opportunity to show me again and again um, how he does provide the yeah. things that we need, yeah. even specific to what we need. Um, when we moved to Jacksonville, Florida, I had mentioned earlier, we had invited a family over um, who was, um, they were also actually new. Um, they had moved to Jacksonville and been there for a few months. And they, we invited them over. Um, they had five kids, just like ours, right around the same ages. And it happened that they lived 10 minutes down the street. And Jacksonville wow. is a huge place. Okay. So having a friend down the street was an amazing thing. So we met them the second Sunday. We invited them for lunch. And from then it was just, we were just really good friends. Hmm. Um, we never ran out of things to talk to. Uh, she was a homeschooling mom. I was a homeschooling mom. Hmm. And, you know, when you're, when you move to a new place, you have things like birthdays and you're like, well, who do we celebrate this with? And so they oh, would come sure. and be our birthday buddies and they would celebrate <clears throat> with us. And it would just feel um, more like a celebration. We went to the zoo. Um, and then on those long days, you know, your kids get a little bit older. They have a little bit more independence, but it was a long day of homeschooling. And I thought I need to get out and I'd call her up and we went to dinner because oh. we could both kind of leave our 13 year old <clears throat> sure. at home for a few right. hours until dad get home. Chicken That's right. And, you know. Feed yourself, watch a movie, right. mom's going to have some time. And that was really, um, really great. So um, that was a friend that God had provided to me right away, which was so, um, so sweet. But about eight months <clears throat> into our time here, definitely wasn't a year, she sat me down and said, we're moving. Oh, no. Yeah. I was kind of devastated. Okay. I feel like I am at an amusement park right now. <laughs> this roller coaster ride is not necessarily what I want to do. No, because you want a friend and you want them to stay, yes. right? We're going to be best friends and you're going to be We're going to watch our kids down. grow up together. together. Yes. yes. But her husband's job just had not worked out. Um, and they found a new position for him about two hours away okay. um, in Tallahassee, Florida. Now, two hours isn't that bad, but you can't get together all the time. No, no, that everyday friendship and just, um, yeah. you know, living life together was not going to happen with this friend anymore. Aww. So that was really hard. Um, and I was devastated. And I just remember, again, diving into that self-pity. And I was complaining to Asher that I was really losing like my only good friend. And I remember him saying, hey, isn't there that girl that you've um, kind of been emailing back and forth with? She's gonna move here, her husband's in the Navy. Um, maybe she'll be your new friend. And I was mm -hmm. like, no. <laughs> I am not gonna make any new friends. She is. She just has one little girl and we just are not gonna have anything coming. So no, I'm, I'm just going to be really sad about my friend leaving and I'm just going to kind of wallow and sure. think how sad I am that God gave me a friend and then he take, took her away. So, you know, fast forward a few months later, Amy um, moves to Florida. And this is the friend that you've is, been emailing. This the is the woman, one we've been, yeah, we've been emailing. You're and you're not just really been, friends. Nope, not really. Been providing information to her about a new place to live. Um, and they came to our church and we went out to lunch and we had a great time. Um, 
like the whole family, she has one little girl and she happened to be the same age as Millie, our youngest, and they became best friends. Um, she was from Toledo. Really? Yeah, from Perrysburg and grew up here and so we knew a lot of the same people. And she was a great friend. You know, mm. like looking back at the way that God made that happen where, you know, made a friend, lost a friend, sulked about it, and then mm. God in his mercy, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't just say, you know what, <laughs> you right. don't trust me, forget you. He in his mercy provided me um, another really great friend who it was easy to be with. Because, you know, you meet people and some people are work to get to know, and that's okay. Yeah. But then there's some people who are just like, oh, Man. you get me, right? Yep. Um, and yep. so that was another, God did just provide her. And that was really, you know, looking back a great way where I can go, okay, you provided for me. I didn't have to sulk. Yep. I could hope in that you would give me what I needed, even in this time where I did, I couldn't see it, right? Yeah. I couldn't see it, but um, God was really, really great in providing that friend after I lost that other one. That's amazing. So um, another sin that I think that I knew that I could fall into um, that would trigger discontentment really was social media, as I mentioned kind of earlier. Um, I like social media because it it's helpful to keep up, right? Keep yeah. up with the big That's things that are happening. Like somebody yeah. who moves away would want to keep connection. Right. You keep connection. You Oh, your people are graduating or, you know, people are you getting married. Baby. Right. Yeah. And all those good things. Um, but for me, it often made me feel like they were living this wonderful life that I was not a part of. And that made me feel really lonely. Mm. So at some point, I really did have to take a permanent break from Facebook. And um, I still actually, I mean, I have other social media, but Facebook just was something I stepped away from because I realized I kept falling into that trap. Like I mm. couldn't celebrate things with someone. I could just feel sad for myself. And so I had a break from that. Um, and so sometimes I think when we're on social media and scrolling and seeing the beautiful pictures, it's not um, causing us to rejoice with those who rejoice. It's causing us the opposite, where it's making us feel like sad that we are not a part of that. So we have to be careful and know what makes us, know what triggers us. Um, and often I think for women, let's be honest, it is social media, right? Yep. All, yep. The, all the comparisons that brings in. So we do need to be careful um, that we're not just looking at someone's picture-perfect life, because it does look picture-perfect on that, and, um, yes, it does. and believing that God hasn't given us those things as well. So um, God was able to say to me, okay, step away from that. And really, I didn't, I didn't miss it. Um, at that point, we're like, oh, I could just move on and I could focus on being grateful for what I had in my life. Because really, when we kind of step away from the comparison of things, we can go, God has given me good things. Yes. And I can, I can celebrate <clears throat> those. Okay, that is so important to remember and to be looking for the things that we are grateful for. And I love how you have them weaved all the way through your story. And sometimes, I know we've said you can look back, but it's good to actually have uh, maybe purpose in the middle of difficult things to be looking at what can I be thankful for today and it may just be that I got literally out of bed and I was able to get to my job on time or I was able to get the kids lunches made that may be what you're thankful for that God gave you that ability um, there's so many things we can be thankful for and that's actually something we've talked about on our book chats that relate to the book learning contentment the counteraction 
or is it the antidote? Is that the right word? No, that's no. I'm, I always get those two confused. The antidote. Antidote. I always have those two yeah. confused. Not not, not a little line. story. <laughs> I actually want the opposite medicine, right? Yes. The medicine that's okay, going to counteract. Going okay. Fix it. Um, that is the one that's going to fix it. Is thankfulness, and that's the the antidote for discontentment. Yeah. Is thankfulness. So, um, what are you thankful for, Melina? What are some of the joyful things that have happened because you've moved? So if you were to ask me, how do you want to live your adult life, especially early in our adult life, I would say I want to be in one place. I never <laughs> want to move. I want to grow roots, and I just want to stay here. I actually am not one to seek out adventure. I'm just kind of a homebody. Um, but moving forces you to do that, right? So you get to live in different places. Like we got to live in North Carolina, which was beautiful. I, it really is a beautiful state. Um, living near the beach, living near these mountains. It was a beautiful thing to be able to live in North Carolina, mm. which I would not have chosen on my own. Um, we've really met neat people, obviously, just other um, believers, um, getting to realize that when you move, God's people are everywhere, and you get to really meet um, women who have lived different lives than you, and you can learn from them and just grow connections through that. Um, you know, we got to um, meet people, meet, um, go to new places, and be part of other churches as well. Mm. Um, you get to love, hopefully, the church that you're in, and it feels like it's the only church. Um, but there are other churches, obviously, all over the place that God is in and that God is working through, and you get to see God working in different ways in different places. So mm. that I think that's a real gift. Cool. That's awesome. Good to be thankful. Um, you've mentioned some things about this, but I kind of wanted to ask a specific question related to this because this has also been woven in and out of your story. But how do you, or what would you suggest to a woman? How did you make friends when you got to a new place? Because I think that's probably one of the hardest things yeah. for women when you're moving from place to place is to make friends and it's just hard to do it. Yes, it, and really the I think the older we get, the more work it gets because people are more entrenched in their lives and breaking into that can be hard. Yeah. Um, so when we first moved um, from college to back to Asher's hometown, um, we didn't have any kids and I wasn't working a full-time job. So I started volunteering. I volunteered at the Crisis Pregnancy Center. I got involved in ministries at church and I kind of met people that way. And then when we moved um, after two years to Indianapolis, I had had a one and a half year old at that point. And the Lord really provided like a group of moms in that church that all had had their first baby. And they were all within like the year. And yeah. so um, I got to know these moms. We had play dates and we did Bible study together. And that was a way that God brought me friends in that place. Um, then we moved again um, and the kids were... It really, in our early years, it was kid-related because that's an easy way to get sure. to know other women. We have kids in common. Let's go to the zoo. Let's have a play date, you know. Um, and it just gives you a good way to get to know other other moms. Sure. Um, another way was just joining a Bible study because you want to have friends in all different... You don't want to just have friends that have little yeah, kids. You want to get to know you, other right. women. And um, doing a ladies' Bible study at church was really a, a, like a great way to get to know other women where you know, you're digging into God's Word, you're praying for each other, um, and it's, a, it's just a great way to get to know people and to make connections. Um, 
don't be afraid to ask people into your home. Um, you've got boxes, but that's okay. No one's going to mind that. Um, in our last move, we um, were trying to have people over, just trying to connect as much as we could. And Millie pointed out to me that it was really nice to have people over when we had just moved because no one's going to care that our house <laughs> is a mess and has boxes all over the place. <laughs> and even though it doesn't look perfect now, um, you know, you were like, well, there's still boxes and, yeah. you know, it's an easy way to have people over and not really feel like I've got to have my house look picture perfect. Right. Wise words from a six-year-old. Yes. Or she yeah. knew me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, as your kids get older, if you have kids in school, you've got some time during the day. Um, ask a girl to get some coffee with you. Yeah. Get a walk in a park together. I think we make the assumption that everyone has friends yep. and is connected already. Um, especially when we move to a place, everyone, everything looks like it's already knit and tied, but it really isn't. And so yeah. I think um, being bold and asking uh, another lady to get together, you might find that she really needs a friend. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, when we are not wallowing in our self-pity, but we're pushing out to look for the needs of others, we really do make connections that way. And the Lord just, he's so good the way that he provides good things yes. when we pursue good things, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so if you've made friends, but how did you keep those friends when you moved away? Because it's one thing to go to a new place and get to know a whole bunch of people, make all these friends, because it sounded like you did that over and over and over. But then you have to move. So what did you do? Did you keep them? Most of them. I think it's neat to see that God provided certain friends at certain times. Um, we live in, you know, a communication-rich yes. time, right? Yes, We've got all true. sorts of ways to talk to people, which is great, because I am actually terrible <laughs> at keeping in touch. Um, but we were able, when the kids were little, we did a, a fair amount of traveling. It was often to see family, but, like, in one place, Toledo um, was nearby family, so we would continue to visit there, and we kept in touch with people that way. Um, we would you know, just once in a while would there would be a phone call. So one thing that social media is good for is you get to see big events, right? Sure. So you're able to see, oh, something exciting happened in someone's life and you can give them a call and talk mm -hmm. with them about it. And that, you know, so maybe you would get to talk to those friends once or twice a year. Um, and you can just keep in touch with them that way. I think um, not believing that you are left behind, which not, that I think that's the sin that I fall into, believing that I am left behind, and then believing that your friends don't care about you any longer. Mm. Um, but pursuing that friendship and realizing people are busy. I'm yeah. busy, you're busy, and it's sweet when you get to connect. And also, I love just dropping a text here and there. Um, when I'm thinking of that friend, just to let her know, hey, I'm thinking of you, and I love you, and I miss you, um, is a great way to stay in touch and to feel mm -hmm. connected to someone, even if you don't get to have a long phone call with them. That's good. Those are good things. And I'm going to add my own suggestion. Are you ready for my yeah, own suggestion? Yeah, I want to. So although I have not moved far away, um, my sister Janelle lives in California. Oh, wow. That's and far. And it is far. When I got to see her um, a few years ago, I went out to visit her. But it's just not the same. So we began Marco Poloing each other. Do you know what Marco Polo is? Yes. Okay, now, yes. here's the thing I have to tell you about my sister. I love her, and I know she's listening, so that's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little shout-out to my sister. My sister is a talker. 
Okay. So I sometimes tease her that when she Marco Polos me, it's like my own personal podcast that she's sending to me <laughs> of her life because it's like 30 minutes long. But I also Marco Polo with my niece who yeah. lives um, about eight, eight hours away from me. And that is a great way to connect. My, my niece and I will talk back and forth and we'll go months, like two months, and then she'll send me a Marco Polo and I'll hear about her ducks and her chickens and her, her daughters and her husband. And then we move on and yeah. I maybe don't have to rush right away to connect with her. Right. And I do like that about Marco Polo. Right, and you do it on your time. Yeah, yeah, on your time because I know she's a busy mom. Her little, her girls are like six and younger. And my sister in California is busy. She's got, you know, lots of things she's doing. And that crazy time change. Yeah, that also is a factor, yes. So I, I think that's just a nice piece of the technology yes. that we have that you can use. Right. I like texting too. And phone calls and FaceTime are fun. They are fun. FaceTime, I found myself doing FaceTime more and more um, like with my mom who yeah. lives far away and my sister. And yeah. Like just seeing them, you get to see them as well mm -hmm. as talk to them is yeah. a great way to keep connected. I love yeah. that. How about your kids? How did they fit into all of these moves? And how did you help them get through with friendships? Because you and I can go make friends and, and pursue people, but our kids, it's different. It's a really hard thing. It is a really hard thing. Um, I mean, okay, wait. Junior high friendships are just hard in general, but then throw a move in there? Oh, my. 15 years plus a move. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a formula for how to cling to God. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I was so, going to say disaster, but yes, yeah, cling to God would be cling better. Cling to God in that disaster. <laughs> so the early years, um, like I said, they bounce back pretty quickly. Um, they talk about our old house, you know, like when we moved from North Carolina to Florida, um, my son, who was like three or four when we moved, would talk about a North Carolina house all oh, the time. And I thought, really? do you really remember? But he would. He's like, I love this part of the house. Isn't and this that part. interesting? Yes, they, they hold on to certain things, which is really fun. Um, but they really are happy to be with you. They want yeah. to be where you are. And so, like I said earlier, when you are happy, when you can make things exciting um, about your new move, they'll be excited. And... What's great about little kids is like you can be on the playground and like, hey mom, I don't know this girl's name, but she's my best friend. Right. You know, like okay, like all right, I just you got met her. Yeah. I just met her and we're best friends already. And that's really great about young kids is that they they do tend to bounce back pretty quickly with friendships and you know being happy in their new home. But as it gets as they get older, it does get harder. Um, I think I can actually tell you. I think around twelve is the hardest part because that's when we moved from North Carolina to Jacksonville and our oldest was 12, and that was a very hard transition because oh. obviously you've got all the stuff that's going on with your 12, and yep. Um, yep. but you're leaving, they're leaving behind their own friends, friends yep. that really do mean something to them. And so you have to be compassionate. I am, I struggle sometimes with compassion with my children because I want to say, let's move on. Right. You know, Buck we're up. fine. You can Buck do it. <laughs> but they just need, you know, to be able to cry, yep. and you need to give them lots of hugs, and you need to make home a refuge mm -hmm. right for their home to be because often they'll be in school at that point and school will be hard because it's new but to make home yeah. um, a place where they could just rest and be comfortable and feel loved is really important for kids as they get older and you know move from familiar things and then again encouraging them to trust that God will provide um, the needs that they have and as older kids they can understand that right you can at that point start telling them your stories of yep you know this is how God provided for me when we moved here and um, 
and really get to watch God work that way. In in our last church, um, there were actually not a lot of teenagers and older older kids at all. We hmm. our kids were probably it was a church that was kind of revitalizing, and so we had a lot of new young families, but there were not a lot of older kids, um, and so. Our oldest, our girls, um, who were in like their early teens, were not really excited to go to church because church was often where they had friends, right? It was, they they had no one to really look forward right. to seeing. So, um, you know, I had encouraged them, we're going to keep going and sure. God may not provide you friends there, but it's, it's we have to keep going to church because it's important. Good. We want to worship and be with the body. Um, but God did provide adults um, mm. at church that love them intentionally. Um, not just adults that were in the youth group, but that adults just looked out for them and mm. talked with them and asked them how their lives were going. And that was really a beautiful thing to watch. Like, yes, he may not provide um, your 14-year-old's best friend, but he may provide a woman who yep. has... Um, who has had teenagers and just wants to pour into these girls and love them. Like there was an older woman, older than me, who was a good friend of mine who had my girls over for a sleepover. Oh my, you know, how she just fun said, is that? Had, yeah, and she had a really, they had such a fun time together. And our girls knew that they were loved, you know, mm. like it wasn't teenagers, but they knew that they were loved by the people at our church. Mm. Um, so that was really a wonderful thing to watch God work in. Um, and, you know, it was not exactly, again, what I was thinking, like, it'll be great when God provides lots of teenagers in a church um, for my girls. But what God did provide was really beautiful mm. and helped grow them as people. Yep. yep. I understand that completely on a personal level as I was a in a church very much like that. And I had a fabulous Sunday school teacher. She taught my Sunday school from the time I was in seventh grade all the way up to graduate. There was like three of us in the youth group. So yeah. it was really small. She was super impactful to me. Yeah. And she was, you know, she was a woman who didn't have children. She wasn't able to have children. She and her husband were not. And it was just, she was wonderful. And I think that's a great piece of, of wisdom is that we don't, and that's true for adult women too. We don't have to have women who are just in the same stage as, right. of life as us. We can develop friendships with someone who is 10 years older or 30 years younger. It, it doesn't matter. It's just building those relationships, and, and that's just really, really good. And it's good for your daughters. It's a great story. Yeah, I, I've mentioned a little bit about social media, but I know this is on your heart because you and I have talked before the podcast at one point a little bit about how this, how this worked in good ways for you when you moved and how it worked in bad ways. So um, is it good for someone to have social media? How, how did social media help you? Did it hinder you? How did it work for you? So I remember the first time, I mean, this is like so long ago, right? Where I thought, I'm going to move. I should get Facebook. This is, oh. you know, before we moved from Toledo and I thought, I'm going to, and then, you know, not everybody in the world was on it just yet. So I thought, <laughs> oh, this will be a good way to keep in touch with people. Um, and so, you know, I got on Facebook at that point and then we moved. And I think there were definitely, you know, seasons in life where I was more lonely than others. Like I said, it takes time. Durham, um, we just had that one year there, right? So we had to like make do with that one year. And we, I made one friend, but really I didn't have a ton of friends and we, you know, it was just me and the kids a lot of the time. And so what you can do in those lonely times is 
well, I'm just going to go on Facebook and see what's going on with everyone. Sure. And then, um, and then you open up and you're like, oh, we went on this, you know, outing together and we did this field trip and there was this birthday party and, and it made me feel like I was being left out, which is mm. not rational, right? I'm, I don't live there, so people can't invite me and they wouldn't invite me because I don't live there. But it made me feel like I was being left out and it made me feel even lonelier, right? Mm, like I was right. lonely, but feeling like I'm away from people who, you know, have forgotten about me made me feel even lonelier. So that was something that I realized about myself probably way too late, right? I'd been doing this for a long time, realizing, <laughs> wait a second, this is making me miserable. Um, and so it, that was where I realized I need to not be on social media a ton, right? Okay. Because, I mean, our eyes see these beautiful lives going on without yeah. us, and our brain tells us, well, you're not there. Right. And it right. makes you can make you feel lonely as opposed to... Um, digging in where you're at and really doing the hard work because that's what it is. Yep. Like Facebook is easy, right? It's just very passive. You open it up and you scroll where the hard work is, okay, how can I make this new place home? What can I, you know, what can I be doing? How can I be keeping myself busy? You know, if there is that like, well, then you move somewhere for one year, which in medical training and in military, sometimes you do move somewhere for a short time. What are you going to do to, um, to make it fun, to make sure. it an adventure, as opposed to going, well, I'm not where I really want to be, and so I'm going to be sad about it. Um, so we need to be discerning, right? Sure. We need to be discerning about how we're spending our time and how it's making us feel and ha and what sins it's making us sure. fall into. Because in the end, true. that's what it is, right? Um, the comparing and the, the feeling lonely brings us to be dissatisfied and discontent where God has us. As opposed to going, okay, God has me here. Right. He knows that I'm here. It's not like God right. just threw me there and forgot about <laughs> right. me. God has me here. God has a purpose for me being here. And um, I want to be active in fulfilling that purpose, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, that would be that would be it. Just to be sensitive when you're um, moving, to not fall into that, um, I just want to see what my old friends are doing and then feel really sad about it. I've heard some people say, too, that social media, some ways that they deal with it is, number one, they don't have the apps on their phone. Oh, yeah. So that's one positive way where you're able to still, you have to actually go sit at a computer to, I mean, I don't sit at my computer and scroll through Facebook. Right. I never yeah. do that. Yeah. So that's one way. I've heard other people say that they have a, um, like a, a timer on their phone that allows them to know how long, or maybe it's just their screen time, you know, that they yep. check that to see how much time am I actually doing and maybe some kind of an alarm that will say, you've been on Facebook too long, you know, or whatever. Right. Now yeah. that's not the same because you're saying that there's, even in one world, even if we're on there for three minutes, we may see things that make us feel bad, right? Right. Or feel like we're being left out. So sometimes it's good to just bow out of it altogether. Right. If that, if, and it's depending on what you can handle. And also... Obviously, when you're feeling like you're being left out and people are forgotten you, that's a lie, right? Yeah, that is, that it is, is Satan trying to feed you those lies to make you feel sad. Um, but instead, if you can handle it, then you can use those times to say, 
oh, so-and-so just had a baby. I'm going to text her and tell her congratulations. Yes. Or I'm going to send her a gift. Or, um, you know, so-and-so just had, you know, sometimes you get the really highs and the really lows on Facebook. Someone's yep. mom just died. Yep. I'm going to send her a sympathy card to let her know I'm thinking about yep. her. So using social media to become more outward um, and caring for others um, and not, not making it about us, right? Because mm -hmm. I think that's what happens when we're discontent. Really, we're making yes. everything about us. Yes. <laughs> um, but instead of using, you know, the posts of some exciting or sad thing to reach out and tell that person, hey, I love you. I'm praying yeah. for you. Um, uh, let me know if you need to talk yeah. and, you know, about this. And that would be helpful. So we can use it for good. But sometimes I think it is a good, sometimes it is good just to walk away yep. for a little bit. Yep, and maybe to come back someday and maybe never to. Just depends yes. on what's going on. Yeah. Right? Okay, so one time my friend's daughter moved away to a gigantic city and she was going to go to college there. And I knew that that transition would be really hard. So my kids and I made her a care package mm -hmm. and we sent it. And it was um, a box of sunshine and everything was yellow, which was wow, kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, we did that and it was really fun and I enjoyed it. But... And this is a great thing to do. I mean, it's a tangible thing to do is to send a care package. But let's say, Melina, just hypothetically, you could make a care package today of really good Bible verses to send to somebody who is moving across country or someone whose husband is being deployed. What would some of those verses be? So I have, since I was little, always loved the Psalms, right? Especially, I think I became a Christian as a teenager, and you're so emotional, and you just connect <laughs> with this emotional yes. David, right? Yes. So um, I, you know, was scrolling through the Psalms and looking at them, and I saw Psalm 13. So it's common for Psalms to start, like, really in despair, and it starts with, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? So that's how David begins it. But he ends it with, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has, he has dealt bountifully with me. Hmm. So the Psalms are just a great place to find refuge in because it's often crying out to God, why have you left me? Why have you moved me here? And ending with, but I'm going to trust you because you are trustworthy, right? Your love mm. is steadfast. So that's great. That's really helpful. Um, and often it starts with a feeling and our feelings aren't always reflective of reality, right? Because right. reality is who God is and God has not forgotten us. And so the Psalms is just a great place to go. Um, you know, some of these just are very familiar. You're going to know them. Philippians 4, 6. Oh, Do not yes. be anxious about I anything. I tell it to you. That's right. Yeah. But in everything, and that's everything, by prayer yep. and supplication, make your request known to God. Um, that's my favorite book of the Bible. That's my favorite chapter. It is. Those Philippians, are some of my favorite verses. Yes. <laughs> it's just so encouraging. Yeah. Um, when you are moving it's very hard not to be anxious because you're walking in the completely unknown thing. But Paul, who knows that, um, encourage us to take those cares and concerns to God. And in verse 7, it says, And the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Yes. So Amen. through turning to God, um, he will give us a peace that we can't understand. You know, sometimes it's like, I don't know what I'm walking into. But I have peace because I get that God has given that to me. Um, First Peter, I like three Peter six. Too. <laughs> um, we did we do a Bible study called Search and Do. So you're 
um, reading through the same chapter again yeah. and again and again, and it really just sticks with you. And this verse really stuck with me. First Peter tells us um, that we are the daughters of Sarah if we are not frightened by anything. Well, let me read that again. That we are not frightened by what is frightening. Sarah had moved many times, right, with Abraham. She was on long for Abraham's crazy ride and was put <laughs> in some very scary situations. But she submitted to her husband, and her confidence was that God would protect her. And I love this verse because it's not telling us it's not frightening, but that we are not to be frightened by things that mm. are frightening because we can trust in God. That's interesting. I, I really had forgotten about Sarah in the midst of all of Abraham's moves. I mean, yep. she had to go along too. Yes, she and did. She didn't have any say in what was happening. And so yet God's goodness to her in providing so much. And protecting her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. good. Okay, um, I got I, room in my box. Let's that's get right. some more in there. Um, I mentioned earlier Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. Jesus tells us, do not, um, it's 625 through 34. He says, you do not need to be anxious about anything for your heavenly Father knows what we need but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And verse 34 tells us specifically, do not worry. This is a, like, you know, three words, do not worry. Seems so very simple, but it's, it's a huge undertaking. Um, and, but it's a command, right? Do not worry. Right. And then in Romans eight twenty eight, it tells us that we know that those, oh, let me read this. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. That's mm -hmm. another very familiar verse yep. um, that, that is just so rich, right? We know that these things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And in our moves, we are being called according to his purpose, right? And so we know that God is working all those things for our good. And when things get hard, um, as we're adjusting in our new home, we need to remember what James 1, um, 2 through 4 says. Mm. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kind. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There is purpose in the trial that God is mm. um, putting us through. And through the hardship of moving, God has, um, God wants us to grow, right? He's, he is working for our sanctification and then using this move to sanctify us more and grow in our dependence more on him. Mm. And lastly, Joshua tells us that God will never leave us or forsake mm. us. Amen. That's said in like throughout the Bible, not yes. just Joshua, a lot in Psalms. And, um, you know, Jesus tells the disciples that, that he will never leave them or forsake them. And we need to remember that, that no matter where we move, God is there and God has not left us, um, but he is with us. Hmm. Wow. Those are great. I think my box is full. <laughs> my, my care package. Actually, you could fit the whole Bible in it. You could, because you need the whole thing. Yes, you do. Yeah, and sure. honestly, some women listening may have challenges that you've had, like moving from city to city or moving from military or having your husband deployed. But some other women that are listening, maybe that's not the challenge, but there's so many good things we talked about today that can be applied to really any situation where someone is moving into a new situation having something change in their life, and having our focus stay on God. I think that's so good. And I, I love all your practicality, Melina. You had so many good things. A lot of it is because you learned it in the hard lessons of life, right? Yep. yep. But that's so good. We can learn that. We can grab onto it, and we can 
we can go forward and um, it's good to have kind of like a game plan, right? Or some yes. kind of practical way to get involved and focus on what God wants us to do in any new situation and in any trial. And which I just think is actually contentment. It's right. focusing on what do you want me to do, God, in right. this situation. Yep, because God has put us there and we need to fulfill what yeah. he has for us there. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and for talking with us about this and really sharing your story. You're welcome. That's, I, we probably could talk a lot longer, I know. but that's probably just because I talk too much. <laughs> no, I love it. And I, I love to hear people's stories because um, I'm a biography girl, so I just got to hear the biography of Melina. That oh, was yeah. my job today. But would you pray for us? Yes. Father, thank you so much that no matter where we go, if whether you leave us in one place or whether we move, you are with us. And I praise you and I thank you that the promises are for us no matter where we live. And I thank mm -hmm. you for that. Mm -hmm. um, I thank you that every time we have moved, you have provided for me and my family in such amazing ways um, that I can share my testimony in that um, with other women who might be going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. I pray that you um, would let them know you are with them um, through your word and through friends. Um, in their new home, Lord. I pray that you would provide for those women who are leaving a familiar place, a familiar church, that you would provide um, a body of believers for them um, that love you and that desire to serve you and that they can um, be folded into. And I pray that you would provide good friends as well for those women. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you that you, um, through everything, teach us um, to love you and to trust you more because you love us so much, Father. Um, thank you, Jesus, for dying for our sins, um, that that through you we can have a relationship with God and that we can know the love of our Amen. Heavenly Father and that because of that, our eternal home, Lord, is with you, that no matter where we move, whether we are um, never move a day in our life or where we are vagabonds all over this <laughs> world, that no matter um, where we are on earth, that our eternal home is with you in heaven. And I just... Um, thank you for that and help us to um to search our hearts so we can be content in the plan that you have for our lives mm. amen amen hey thanks for listening again to unshaken it's always great to have you join us and um, join us next week as we continue to focus on contentment we're not done we're not all there yet um, as we talk through our series uh, called Learning Contentment in our book chats. Uh, Erica Simpson and I will be discussing chapters 7 and 8 of the book Learning Contentment by Nancy Wilson. If you haven't grabbed that at your local bookstore or online, you might want to grab it and start reading along with us. It is such a great practical book for all of us. Um, and if you haven't listened to our first two book chats, that would be episodes 101 and 102, please head back and do that. You can find those in our archives. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.